Along with Adrian Broadus, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Going to be a fun show. Looking forward to some great guests dropping in later in the program. Lane Frank's going to be back today. Give us a football wrap-up. Talk to Lane, what, um, nine days after he co-hosted the show with UTEP Zay while we were out there on our way to Phoenix. Super excited about having Mr. Frank, the host of Schoolyard Sports, the podcast, uh, joining us. Also, speaking of guests, Adrian, um, as we, you know, close in on what um, will be a UTEP game that a lot of minor fans realize. Uh, bundle up, by the way. Bundle up at the Haskins Center because there's no heat. So, you know, could be a bit nipply there tonight. So make sure you are dressed accordingly. Uh, jackets, hoodies, you'll be all set. John Teicher will join us. Colin Deaver is going to join us today in about 25 minutes. Deaves has been busy, very busy uh, with New Mexico State. He was also uh, sent out um, to the situation last night in this Yellow Vista area. And apparently we found out today that this was two groups and a disagreement, which led to the shooting and the death of one individual and the uh, other three that were um, injured in the process, Adrian. So, yes, a disagreement with two groups in the food court, and all that uh, led to essentially um, all hell breaking loose in uh, the Sierra Vista area last night. Yeah, very uh, questionable decision by those two groups uh, yesterday in an argument that happened at a mall. Um, you know, I, I just felt for everybody, all the reporters out there, all the first responders, everybody who was uh, attending it, and all the people who were pretty much left stranded yesterday there at Sierra Vista Mall who ended up being bussed over to Burgess uh, to be reunified with their families. So, yeah, just a, a sensitive subject, knowing the proximity, knowing the location, and uh, what happened in 2019 at the Walmart out at Sierra Vista. Uh, no doubt, and uh, we were also uh, trying to keep our, us and, and all of you up to speed with everything yesterday as it was breaking. But uh, listen, um, uh, once again, it's that area, that area. When you hear about um, you know an event like what happened last night with the shooting and that and Sierra Vista, yeah, it just it uh, it, it hits you know, way too close because of what happened in August uh, August third of twenty nineteen. Simple as that. That's right, and uh, you know, credit to our sports broadcasting uh, counterparts like Colin Deaver, like Rachel Phillips, who after a long day, they were already covering uh, uh, you know New Mexico State's press conference in the morning, which was a, a huge story in itself. Yeah, they had to uh, work in the evening for uh, a story like that yesterday. You're right. Um, we'll talk UTEP a little bit later. John's going to join us. We'll give you the lowdown on the big one tonight because the Miners are uh, – you know, you look at these games, Adrian, and this one in particular uh, for UTEP. They're back at home. They've got a couple of key ones, and uh, tonight's game is is a huge, huge game uh, for UTEP anyway, because um, you know they could start uh, they could start this homestand out on the right foot, and they need it because these two games today and uh, also Saturday are going to be big for them, and UAB is not going to be an easy opponent. They've got 18 wins. They've won nine in Conference USA. UTEP played them well the first time on the road, but this time they need to finish it. 
We'll see if they can finish it off uh, here coming up in a few hours. The Blazers right now have won five of their last six after, remember, starting off a little sluggish in Conference USA. They were 4-5 and five to start off league play, which was definitely a down uh, start for Andy Kennedy and the Blazers. Uh, coming into the season, they were projected to be you know Conference USA's best team mm-hmm. uh, with guys like Jelly Walker, Eric Gaines. Those are the two guys that we'll be watching tonight um, You know, really closely. Trey Jemison is going Going to be a tough matchup for the Miners, knowing that they are uh, battling some issues when it comes to depth and size tonight. So remember, they have Onyema, Kalu, and Derek Hamilton down low, but no Jonathan Dosanjos. He's been out, mm-hmm. ruled out for the year uh, with a shin fracture uh, that that ended up uh, popping up. And so, yeah, uh, we're going to have to see what the Miners can do against a team like UAB, who's really heating up. UAB six point favorites in this one. Again, uh, we'll have it for you seven o'clock tonight, six thirty uh, countdown to tip off. John and Steve are bringing you the action from the Don Haskins Center and uh, looking forward to that as well. Uh, I want to start the show, though, talking today about Tim McCarver, who you mentioned during SportsCenter passed away at the age of 81. Um, you know, this is a guy that for a lot of us, hey, um, grew up watching in the broadcast world in the 1980s. Tim McCarver was a staple in broadcasting, but he was one heck of a catcher. I mean, really. Came up in 1959 and uh, spent parts of four decades playing in the big leagues. And you think about it. Um, you know, two-time All-Star, he caught Bob Gibson, and uh, that was big, caught Steve Carlton. And, you know, after going from catching to TV after retirement... 18 years with Fox, working with Joe Buck. He worked with Jack Buck. He was on the Mets games back in the mid-'80s when they won the World Series. I mean, you know, Tim McCarver was a big, big broadcaster in terms of, um, you know, just baseball in general. A lot of people listened and enjoyed McCarver. He um, he broke it down in a, in a very, very... Um, you know, good way for a lot of us because he made it easy to understand, made the game fun, knew the game very well, conveyed that in his broadcasts. And I think that, you know, anybody who has watched baseball during uh, the 80s and 90s and even in the 2000s, familiar with the name Tim McCarver, Big, big loss today at the age of 81. Yeah, most definitely. Joe Buck said today one of the biggest things that he taught him was the fact that he taught him how to deal with criticism. And he had been criticized his entire broadcasting career, but how to deal with it. And that's one of the big things out there. You're talking about one of the best broadcasters in Joe Buck. His dad, one of the best as well in Jack Buck. And uh, McCarver had done games with both of them and was instrumental to the influence in Joe Buck and what he's seen in, in his broadcast casting days so yes a legend on and off the field and if you remember McCarver during his playing days uh this is a guy that hit 271 uh throughout his what 21 years in the big leagues how about this only struck out twice more than 40 times in a single season wow so he didn't strike out efficient he had a big big home run in the 64 world series when the cardinals uh beat the yankees in seven games and uh, that three-run homer in Game 5, hey, uh, that was a difference maker. And they ended up winning the series that year uh, over the Yankees. In fact, Yankees didn't go back to the World Series until 1976. So that was their last appearance for 12 years. And McCarver 
Um, you know, along with guys like Brock and Gibson, big reasons why um, you know the the Cards were able to beat the Yankees in the '64 World Series. Well, you can think of also McCarver being very instrumental in terms of his influence to the game as well, Steve. I mean, we're talking about his on-field expertise, but off the field, he's talking about the game early, uh, you know, into uh, a lot of people's lives who still watch baseball and the sport today. And the fact that he was so instrumental in kind of influencing uh, a generation with his voice, that's also really special to remember him by. It is. And again, uh, I was a Tim McCarver fan. I I know there was the incident with him and Deion Sanders in the 92 World Series when uh, Deion dumped water all over McCarver and uh, was upset with him because of criticism to Deion. I remember that as well. And, you know, uh, McCarver was upset because he was playing two sports on the same day. Felt that, you know what, you're in the World Series, play baseball, don't play football. But, you know, Deion did both, and uh, that's why he dumped a bucket of water on McCarver's head. And, you know, I mean... Once again, uh, 16 years on the air with the Mets. Fired by the Mets in 99, but started with them in 83. Uh, National uh, World Series after World Series. I mean, listen, if you've watched baseball, um, you know, and you're, you're in your 30s or up, Tim McCarver was part of our lives. I mean, it's just, it's just the way he was. He was. Tim McCarver was definitely a big part of our lives and uh, gone at the age of 81. So let's let's start with that today. As we go into all the other news uh, around the world of sports and something else I'm, I'm pretty interested in right now. We've got uh, a lot going on. We've got golf. Tiger Woods, Genesis Invitational out there at the Palisades with Rory and Justin Thomas. This is a big deal as well because it's Tiger's uh, first trip back, Adrian, and obviously a lot of us kind of wondering, how that's going to hold up. Yeah, I believe he's playing the first two days uh, this weekend and going to take it easy um, beyond that. But still, it's the first step, w- uh, which should be a good sign for Tiger Woods, uh, which could come for the rest of this year. The big thing that everybody's eyeing is the Masters. Uh, Tiger Woods was asked earlier this week, you know, as he begins to the transition of becoming more of a ambassador of the game and less of a competitor, uh, what, what does that really look like? right now and Tiger still couldn't answer that he said that whenever he's going out there on these different invitationals or different tournaments that are going out right now he wants to win and that's just the competitive nature that is Tiger Woods uh, I love the story I love the the uh, return story in a big way because of the injury and the accident that he experienced a couple years ago and uh, who knows if Tiger Woods will ever actually win another one again but I think everybody wants him to and they want to see it happen I don't know if it's happening this weekend but Maybe uh, this year we could see some uh, some special stuff from Tiger Woods. Uh, two birdies, two bogeys so far through 11, Adrian. Not bad. So he's an even par, but you're right. I mean, that's not bad. And, you know, hopefully uh, Tiger will, um, will have an opportunity to finish strong. Um, and with that great group, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, so much fun to watch. And just the fact that he's back walking a course and playing competitive golf again, that's big. That's very big. That should be the thing that we celebrate right here, the fact that he's just back. I mean, the, that, that is such a uh, remarkable accomplishment in itself. And for Tiger Woods, I think the whole world just wants him to play at the highest level. I don't know if that's realistic yet, but, hey, 2023 will be the return of Tiger Woods uh, at some degree. That's true. Um, and looking forward to watching a little Tiger today. I think it's on ESPN Plus, if I'm not mistaken, Adrian. That's so. right, yes. First round on ESPN Plus. Keep an eye on that one. All right, listen, we've got uh, Twitter open for business. 
600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. That is 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. A lot of you are heading out to the Haskins Center tonight. Dress warm. Dress warm. The heater's getting worked on. They've been working on the heater for a week. Hopefully it'll be, uh, it'll be ready to go soon. And by the way, when they fix the heater, can they switch out the lights? Is that too much to ask, Adrian? Maybe too much to ask. Mid-season, uh, I think it's uh, realistic. Uh, maybe off-season, but yeah, maybe the in-season's too much. What do you think? What, what's a bigger, what do fans want more? Baseball back at UTEP or uh, the uh, LED lights in the Haskins Center? Oh, I think the LED lights is winning as of late. I think that's I something that uh, definitely needs to happen at the Haskins Center and make it look really nice out there. You feel like the ship has already sailed on baseball. Now fans are more interested in just having the lights go out and turn on again. That's right. Yeah, just do something that is a little bit more attainable at this point. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, let's go to Charlie, get it started right with our first traffic update. Colin Deaver going to join us 15 minutes from now at the bottom of the hour right after Sports Center. here with you, 600 ESPN El Paso. tweeted us baseball 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 hey Dolpho, why don't you call in and we'll talk a little braves baseball toughest division in the game you got the braves the mets the phillies and the marlins i don't know about the nats this year and by the way nl west isn't that far behind but i think we all believe padres and dodgers will be one and two Giants and Diamondbacks might have something to say about that in the Rockies, but man, that a that NL East is a slugfest. And those all those and I'll say this as a Mets fan, and I'm not trying to kiss up to Adolfo because he doesn't need that. But I love the way the Braves have built this team. Because they got a bunch of young guys, they locked them up to very good contracts, very affordable contracts, team friendly deals. It's it's the perfect model of how to build a team. Perfect model. Textbook. I mean, you've got Steve Cohen, who has the checkbook that every sports fan would dream of because no player uh, is is really unsignable unless you've got medical history like uh, Carlos Correa. But for the most part, the Mets will just sign anybody and pay anybody, and they don't care about a luxury tax. They don't care about anything. Steve Cohen probably spends you know more money like, or more uh, wasting money on things than we'll ever earn in our lifetime, but that's him. Braves are just smart. The Braves know what they're doing. They invest wisely. They got a good young base. And I'm excited this year for, I think, Braves, Mets, Phillies. That is going to be a phenomenal three-team race in the NL East. Yeah, you think of all the young talent that's really rising between those three three teams as well. I mean, not only are their off-season acquisitions pretty notable, but uh, you know, their younger talent that's rising is really impressive. Don't the Braves get Acuna back this year? I mean, gosh, that's, uh, that's the star right there. He's probably the uh, favorite, right, for MVP in the NL. No. Right? You, you don't no, think he's the odds-on no, favorite no, for this? No, no, no. Listen, he's a great player. But he's coming off that major injury, and he didn't dominate last year like we're used to. He's got he's got some work to do. He's got some work to do. No, I don't think he is the National League MVP uh, favorite to start the year. Now he could work himself into that mold. He really could. But when you look, Adrian, at essentially you know the best players uh, in the National League to start the year, okay, Juan Soto is going to be on that list. Um, Paul Goldschmidt is going to be on that list. Manny Machado could be on that list. Freddie Freeman. You've got Mookie Betts. 
Um, you know, you've got you've got a lot of you've got a lot of great players. And and not to say that Jose Altuve can't get into that list, but um there's it's stacked right now. Stacked with offensive talent, Nolan Arenado. Um, you know, you just look at Pete Alonzo, uh, Trey Turner. So many guys are capable of having huge years, monster years. And I love don't get me wrong. I love Ronald Acuña. I love Ronald Acuña. But, you know, he's got to prove himself again post-injury and see what he can do and get into that same conversation with the aforementioned players in the National League. Now you got something. But, man, they're stacked. They've got Olsen. They've got Acuña. Um, they just keep adding better and better players across the board. I love uh, Austin Riley at third base. they got Ozzy Albies at second. Olsen. Yeah, they're Sonnen. fun. They're yeah. fun to watch. Definitely. So. I really like that team a lot. Hey, and uh, that, that you reeled off a lot of Padres players on that list that you just said. Well, they're that loaded. Padres team is really loaded, yep. And I didn't mention Tatis because he's got a ton to approve. He's got – first off, he's suspended until late April. But when he comes back, he's got a ton to show. And let, us see, let everybody see what he's capable of. And you know their window, it's kind of closing right here, knowing that Machado is going to get paid either by the Padres or another team. But, yep. yeah, that uh, their window is right here. I cannot wait for the start of baseball season. I am super excited. Super excited about baseball season. So, yeah, count me in. Sign me up. First Chihuahuas game, can't wait to be there on March 31st. We'll have all the action for you with the soon-to-be best-selling author, Tim Haggerty, the voice of the Chihuahuas, as his new book will be dropping and Hags will be making the rounds. How's Hags going to handle all the book signings with all these uh, all these games he's got to do? Well, okay, I got I got this perfectly mapped out, Steve, because if he's in Houston uh, getting ready for a Chihuahuas game out there, he could he could do a book signing out there in the day. Sugarland, uh, Sugarland, yep. same thing. Uh, do it around the Austin area. With, yep. Well, with, with the, Round Rock. Yeah, with Round Rock. Right, right, that. right. Uh, he can also do the same thing in Vegas. Make a okay. little trip. I like this. There's a lot. You know, he could go a little uh, PCL uh, book signing tour right here. That would be the way to go. Because you've got, I like the fact you have career advice for Hags. That's good. That's good. Oh, lines are ringing. All right. That's great to see, too. 505 6009. That is our telephone number. 505 6009. If you would like to work your way into the show, we'd love to hear from you uh, as we uh, get it rolling here in hour one of two and a half since we'll be with you until uh, 6.30. And then John Teicher uh, takes over the airwaves with UTEP men's basketball, which is also going to be big. So excited about that. Excited about uh, just the show today and what we've got uh, in store for you. Ah, wait a minute now. Didn't he, uh, I don't know. Didn't he um, have enough to talk about yesterday or is today? I know what he's going to talk about today. Today is going to be all about Shohei Otani. You watch. When we bring this man up on the phones next, because we, we also have uh, Colin Deaver going to be joining us soon, you know all Gator Richards is going to want to talk about today is Shohei Otani since baseball's in the air. Oh, that's true. Shohei, baby. His future is in question. I want to know as we welcome back uh, Gator Richard. Go Gators. Go Gators. Um, where, Go Gators. In, your, in your opinion... Where do you think is the best landing spot possible for Shohei Otani? Boston. Tell me why. 
because Boston's going to show him the money. Ah, there it is. Show hey the money is what Gator Richard has to say. He's going to the money. He's going to get paid, man. He's going to get paid a fortune. Now, I don't know if he's going to make half a half a billion dollars because he's already 29. He's not 23 or 24. But Shohei Otani is going to make so much money. It's going to be. It's going to be. Hey, it's Steve, going to be. Steve, insane. can I can I interject something? Of course. All right. I know you got kind of upset because I went there, like I don't know, last month. Whenever the last time I called in before you, yesterday. Are you trying to get hung up on right now? Like, are you, are you really no, no, working no, no. hard on trying to no, get? No, no, I'm not. Okay. No, I'm I'm trying to do my best act of contrition for you. But got it. Got it. You know, you're like. Trying to trip me up in the process, man. But I, sorry, I went there. How about that? Okay, I appreciate that. Thank you for saying that. I know what you're talking about, and okay, I appreciate it. Right. <laughs> okay, so hey, by that, the way, who apologizes all sincerely, and then when I say thank you, he laughs like crazy. No, who does I'm, that? You're I'm, a, you're I'm a, just glad you didn't hang up on me again, man. Okay, well, like, uh, well, hang on. The call's still. We, we still have time. We, you know, you got you got a few seconds. We might we might we might hang up on you when it's all said and done. Hey, so I I, I wanted to bring something up. All right, and I know we I've gone there like a hundred times already, but when you finally realize it, man, you're going to be like Dave Kuyan and drop your coffee mug, okay? <laughs> This thing with the NFL and being like fixed and all that—I know you guys kind of roll your eyeballs at that. But no, you're not the first caller to say this, believe it or not. So let me give you some history. Before you ever started calling the show, okay, long time ago, I used to have a caller named Joe from Central. I don't know what happened to Joe Lestrop, but he used to call the show religiously for many, many, many years. He always believed that the NFL was fixed. He believed sports was fixed. He was all into conspiracy theories. I love listening to him talk about that. And you, like, have resurrected that. So I appreciate you bringing back the uh, NFL is fixed because you're not the first. You won't be the last caller that's coming to the show and said that. Well, the pushing out of bounds at the 50s so they get within field goal range, you know, last, you know, last few seconds of the game. Ridiculous, man. Okay, it's kind of like raising your arms up and walking around the ring like you've already won just because you body slammed a guy. But here's the thing, okay? Now, listen, you're a little older than me. Not much, but you're a little older than me, which means you of all people should understand that sports today has changed from sports we grew up watching as as kids and when we were younger. It's just the game has evolved, and not necessarily for the better, but it's changed, uh, you know, Richard, and that's the thing. It's like what we watched years ago is, you know, you got to watch it on YouTube these days because it's just it's not the same anymore. Everything has changed about sports. Well, I'll tell you one thing that hasn't changed about sports. You ready for this? Lay it on me. You still got to get up to the plate and hit the ball. That's true. Like, like an Ichiro, okay? Yep. You do. You, you do. You still got to. You still got to rear back and throw some heat, like a Showtime, right? That's right. I mean, you're not faking a hundred mile an hour fastball, okay? Or or a or a eighty five knuckle, okay? So, 
I, I don't know if anyone throws an 85 knuckle, but no, they don't. But they do throw. They, they're throwing now 95 mile an hour sliders. It's ridiculous, and you see these pitches are getting harder and harder. Knuckles, unfortunately, knuckleballs aren't as common. And when you do see a good knuckleball, it's probably in the 60s. But you see a lot of guys throwing hard. I I, I give you that. Well, look. You, do you even know who Dave Kuyan is? Did, did Adrian Google him yet? Adrian, have you Googled uh, Dave Kuyan no, yet for uh, for Gator Gator Richard? No. All right, tell everybody who he is. Yeah, you guys are frantically. Every time I call in, I can hear like your team of guys like Googling everything. Hang on, hang on. When you when you ask a question like that, do you start hearing this in the background? You ready? Hang on. Here we go. <laughs> That's it. Dave Kuyan, man. All right. Anyhow. So so when you guys finally realize everything I've been telling you for the last hundred years, yeah, you know, and and you dropped a coffee mug, like, oh, what, what did that really happen? Because th- this thing with the NFL, ridiculous, man. It's getting to a point where, I mean, I I see it and I just laugh, shake my head, man. They're going back to the old playbook, the the tried and true, you know. I mean, did they or did they not do a do over? In, in in that championship game, I mean, they literally just said, "Yeah, it's third and eight again." Man, I can't wait to the next time we get together. I can't wait to get your thoughts on what really happened with JFK. Well, we all know what happened with JFK. Save man. it, save it, save it. I gotta get, to, I gotta get to Sports Center. Appreciate the call. All right, he's got to save that. I, I, I want to hear that. I do that. I want to hear what happened out of his mouth with JFK. Don't you? Uh, not me, not me. Come on, you man. Be the only one. You know, you know, I want that. I want that. Hey, the script of the NFL was leaked, and uh, Gator Richards the only one who knows. That's true. He does. He's got it all for us. Hey, uh, more in a moment. We got Deves on uh, next, so we're going to do Colin Deaver coming up right after Sports Center as Adrian continues with uh, more in a moment. Six hundred ESPN El Paso. Adrian, thank you very much. Uh, let's get back to the phones right now, and as promised, uh, the man of the hour, Colin Deaver. Sports director for KTSM Television, straight off his uh, sports center appearance yesterday and then uh, spending yesterday evening in the Sierra Vista area. A full day for you, just another day at the office. Appreciate the time and uh, thanks for uh, giving us a few minutes here on the show today. Hey, absolutely. Happy to be here. Uh, always good to be on with you guys. Hey, thanks. Uh, by the way, first time in a while that uh, there's, there's no New Mexico State news today. It's been a slow news day at NMSU today. Don't put that in the universe, please. Please, please. Uh, I, I was hoping to have a relaxed work day at the Haskins Center. So I, I will say I, I did talk to a New Mexico State uh, official today. They said that uh, obviously the chancellor said that yesterday they're waiting for the investigations to be finished up before they kind of figure out what they're going to do with the assistant coaches. Uh, he said the earliest that we would maybe find something out regarding that would be next week. So I think you know, other than the potential criminal uh, investigations into the players, what, what, what have you. We, we don't know if that's going to happen yet. Certainly that'll be um, news if it happens. I think the, the coaching staff is probably the next bit of news uh, that we're waiting to come up. See, that'll come out. But this has been a winding road, so we'll see. If the, coaching, if the coaches get uh, released, just like Greg Hire, and they get relieved of their duties, Who's going to watch the players? That's what I brought up on the show yesterday. It's almost like you need the coaches just because you still have players on this roster, whether they're going to be on this roster in three months or not. It's a different story, but somebody's got to keep an eye on these guys. Well, it's an interesting point you bring that up. It sounded like a lot of the guys 
are taking online classes at New Mexico State because it's, they're in season, um, and it's a little bit easier. They were in season, I guess. So from what Mario Mocha said, it, it, it seems like since they're taking online classes, they may not be uh, on campus anymore, but, they, I mean, still enrolled, taking their online classes. So some of them may have already just left Las Cruces altogether. I don't want to, you know, surmise on how many of them because I don't know, or you know, maybe all of them are are still there. But it's possible that you know they they kind of scattered to their respective hometowns and are just taking their classes online. With that, Colin, do you think that there could be any issues when it comes to cooperations involving the investigation by players who might not be here? If that's the case, well. If Greg hires any indication, there may be. Uh, they said in the press conference yesterday his, with his outside legal counsel, he had a meeting scheduled with NMSU's brass to, dis- or I guess their investigative team that's investigating the shooting from November in Albuquerque. He just flat up didn't show up to the, uh, the meeting earlier this week. So the head coach isn't showing up. Um, it's potentially possible. And again, I don't want to speculate too much on what the players will do or not do, but. Um, if that's what your head coach is doing, I mean, I think you could certainly make that jump. Um, but I, you know, I just I don't know for a fact, you know, what what those what those guys are going to do. Meanwhile, um, what we know right now is what's been uh, mentioned in your news reports: the NMSU police, uh, you know, the the police report, which much of it has been redacted. The comments made by Chancellor Arvizu and by Mario Mocha. But, I mean, we know some, we don't know um, all of it, though. Do you think this will ever, uh, you know, the story behind the events that led to suspending the season will ever go public? Or do you think that, for the most part, as long as there's not a, um, you know, a, a suit filed in the court system, it uh, it, it might always uh, stay hush-hush? I see it both ways. I, I certainly think it's a strong possibility that all of the details are eventually um, going to come out, whether it you know, be at a national media organization, a local media organization, wh- wh- whatever it might be. I-, I-, I think that's a strong possibility um, because of how serious this is. And look, I- things I've heard um, off the record, some of which I've been able to pretty strongly confirm, I can't report some of it because of kind of the nature of it. I can't even tell you how ridiculous some of this is. So there's, I, that's why I think it's going to come out um, because of how ridiculous, how awful this situation was. Uh, speaking not only about the, the shooting, obviously, which is I think a little more public because of, you know, it is already a criminal investigation, but I mean, these hazing allegations yeah. for me is, is what I was specifically talking about just now. I mean, it's, it's insane what was going on. You uh, mentioned in a tweet yesterday the two words that most uh, college sports fans never want to hear uttered, death penalty. And I know some people took you to task on social over that. You defended yourself, as you should. Was that something that you came to the, uh, you know, deducing from yourself, or had somebody suggested that to you? I actually regret using that phrase. Um, I think... I had seen quite a few people over the last five days or so uh, kind of maybe basically asking if that was a possibility. My bosses at KTSM had asked me if that was a possibility and more or less asked me to see in the press conference yesterday if 
NMSU thought it was a possibility. Mario Mocha said they plan on playing next year. So I, I think I could have honestly phrased the tweet a little bit better. I did, when I asked Mocha and Marvizu yesterday, I didn't even use the term death penalty. I asked them, like, when would they feel comfortable um, bringing the program back is how I phrased the question. So I do regret using that phrase on Twitter. I also think the blowback to it was a little bit overblown um, because, I mean, these are, these are allegations in a, in a program that has been mired in a controversy that's probably the worst that we've seen from a college program since Baylor. And there were questions about whether Baylor should get the death penalty. I remember, constantly during that, during that, uh, that situation. So I look, look, I, I do not believe NMSU is going to get the death penalty. I don't think they deserve to get the death penalty. Um, and like I said, I, I, in hindsight, I would have rather, I think I, if, if I could rewrite that tweet, I would not have used that phrase. Colin, when it comes to the timeline, I'm I'm still really confused by how quickly maybe they thought they think things will go. Um, they said that the investigation's going to take place. Then um, I guess I, I would assume re- repercussions, or they give out disciplinary actions to whoever is at fault here. But then after that, how quickly do you think they turn the page to actually try to reset this so they can actually play basketball next uh, fall uh, in 2023? Uh, to me, that's probably the biggest question I have now is how quickly they can move on, uh, Adrian, because there's so much to investigate. You know, there's at least, three, you know, the, the police report names three players, but it also says that it, this was going on in front of the entire team. You also have, from the shooting investigation, three players that went and helped uh, Mike Peake that night that uh, were served warrants basically back uh, on November 30th, the night of the UTEP-New Mexico State game at the Pan-American Center. Uh, more or less, there was not warrants for their arrest, but search warrants for items in their possession that might be related uh, to a potential police investigation in, in that case. They have not, as of now, been charged with anything. I want to be very clear. Mike Peake, nor the three players that went over and helped him at the University of New Mexico that night uh, after he uh, was shot uh, in that deadly self-defense shooting none of them have been charged with anything no one on the coaching staff has been charged with anything but it just goes to show like how deep this is going that again there's ongoing investigation by an outside law firm that new mexico state is paying for to investigate the shooting and now they're doing their own title nine investigation into what's going on with the, these hazing allegations so it's just a lot to get through i and having reported on title nine uh cases in the past um, both here in the borderlands and, and other places. I mean, sometimes these cases take a year to wrap up. Um, I would think that the majority, like they would, they probably would have enough to know what, like what these coaches did or did not know long before a year. And also the assistant coaches contracts, they just, they're year to year contracts that run out April 30th anyway. So if they don't have enough by then to say, yes, we can fire you or no, we can't fire you. Well, their contract's running out April 30th, and look, I, we all, we're, not, we're all not stupid here. I mean, I don't think any of us think any of these guys are going to be on the NM State coaching staff next year. Final question for me. Do you see the NCAA getting involved, or do you think that the university will handle this to the point where they don't need to have further sanctions? I'm not sure. Um, I've reached out to the NCAA 
on both of the shooting and this. They've said they don't comment on ongoing investigations. Um, based on what Dan Arvisu said, the, uh, the chancellor, it sounds like he is taking it very seriously as, as the head honcho. You would have to imagine that's trickling down to Mario Mocha, everybody else as well. Um, but Dan Arvizu's contract runs out this summer. So once that happens, and the, the Board of Regents has already said they're not going to re, uh, renew his contract, they're looking for a new reg- uh, chancellor. Yep. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen when that new chancellor comes in either. So they could take a lax repro- approach. I can't imagine they will. Or they could take a very serious approach in the, and, and handle everything the way they see, see it needing to be handled. Um, I think the NCAA involvement um, – is to be determined at this point just because they haven't commented on it. I would imagine this is just my assumption that they're monitoring it pretty closely. Um, but at, you know, at this point it's, it's probably too early to say, and they'll, you know, they'll probably wait and see what New Mexico state does on their end to really kind of dole out, um, the, you know, whatever the quote unquote appropriate punishment may be. Well done, Colin. Appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll definitely keep it tuned to you and uh, find out the latest. Appreciate you guys having me on, as always, and we'll see you, I assume, at the Haskins Center tonight. Dress warmly, Colin. It's going to be chilly. I will. I will. There you go. Colin Deaver, folks, as we continue. Come back to wrap-up hour number one in a moment. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk as we get started with hour number two. Along with Adrian Broaddus, I'm Steve Kaplow. It's Miners and UAB tonight. 90 minutes from now, countdown to tip-off. John Teicher, Steve Yellen. They'll deliver all the action for you. Baseball's here. Pitchers and catchers reporting. Yankees already in trouble. Frankie Montes has shoulder problems. He's going to be out most of the season. Hey, this is what it's all about. I'm watching, uh, I'm, I'm seeing videos of Xander Bogarts hanging out and, uh, you know, talking to Juan Soto, and I'm thinking, and Manny Machado, this is pretty cool. This is yeah. this is free eight. This is baseball now. We're back already after uh, Super Bowl 57. That's right, Steve. This is the time to turn the page, look over to the sport of baseball. It's right around the corner. Basketball's heating up with uh, All-Star Weekend. College hoops heating up as well. We've got conference uh, tournaments right around the corner. And, yeah, this is also a really exciting time of sports. We turn the page for one sport in football, and then we're on to the, the other sports. You're right. Um, you know, this game tonight with UTEP and UAB, um, the Miners have lost four of their last five. UAB has won four of their last five. In fact, their only loss, Adrian, came on the road against North Texas, a double overtime classic that saw the Mean Green hang on to win 82-79. Other than that, I mean, you look at some of their wins, an impressive blowout over Middle Tennessee. Um Handing FAU their only loss so far in conference play. UAB is a dangerous, dangerous team. Uh, it is, you know, they score a lot of points. They're uh, they're fun to watch. They've got stars on the team, and and they're playing really good basketball. And this will be a very big challenge tonight. For Joe Golding and company. Yeah, they're 18-8, and eight, and uh, one of the reasons they've lost so many games in Conference USA, I mean, they're 9-6 and six right now in the league, but they started off 4-5 and five in conference play. It's because they were without Jordan Walker. Jelly Walker is their best player. He's uh, how this team moves forward, one of the most uh, unbelievable shot makers you'll find in Conference USA, somebody who might have a chance to play in the NBA eventually. And then, oh, by the way, their second best player is Eric Gaines, who is 
also an NBA prospect. So uh, this UAB team to me is loaded. They remind me of uh, a dark horse candidate, kind of like Louisiana Tech was last year in Conference USA, but this year um, behind teams like Florida Atlantic and North Texas, UAB's right there. They could beat both those teams and beat anybody in the league. You know, you look at what UAB does well, besides scoring points. They out-rebound your opponents as well. They average 41.5 rebounds a game. Yeah. That's a ton. UTEP's averaging 35.7. Um, and then you look at the assist factor, 15 assists per game, 4.4 blocks per game, and 8.3 steals per game. I mean, they do it all. They really do. And they only allow 71 points. So there's about an 11-point uh, differential between scoring and uh, allowing points for UAB, whereas the Miners are scoring 68 points, but they're giving up 66.6 points per game. Yeah, I would say this, that uh, what has worked recently for the Miners is when they out-rebound their opponents, but against the Blazers, knowing that they are the seventh-best team in offensive rebound possessions uh, when it comes to their percentage, they're seventh in the country in that stat right there. They love to get those second-chance points, and that's something that UTEP will have to protect tonight, not allowing the second-chance points at home and not allowing this UAB team also to shoot from outside the perimeter. We just saw Charlotte drain 13 threes against the Miners last week. That can't happen this week. You know, when the Miners played UAB the first time around, Adrian, uh, they were in a spot where, you know, they had a four-point lead at halftime, 34-30. to Played really well. And then, you know, they gave up 27. Uh, they, they were outscored 27-23 in the second half, went to double overtime until UAB was finally able to outlast the Miners, 79-73. You know, you know UTEP wants that game back because they had that game on numerous occasions against the Blazers. They did everything they could to win, and they still lost that game in double overtime. Yeah, that was a very frustrating game because I felt like UTEP outplayed UAB and still lost. There, there yep. are very uh, different. You know, there are very few times that that happens right there. But the Miners, especially in the first half, I thought they were that was their best first half of basketball, most complete basketball up into that point. And it was a you know it was a tough time of year for the Miners because. It was right after non-conference play. They were uh, thrusted into the situation, having to take on one of the best teams in the league in UAB right away. That's right. Yeah, and then they still lose in double overtime on the road. This UAB team has been in four different overtime games, just like the Miners. So uh, when it comes to close game situations, both these teams know what what to do in those uh, situations. Jelly was only 7 of 26 from the field, including 2 of 15 from downtown in that game. He scored nine of his 25 points from the line. That's how he got his points um, because he couldn't shoot the ball at all. In fact, um, you know, in that game, the Miners uh, shot 38, almost 39%. UAB was 36%, uh, and they were terrible from three-point land, three of 24. Utah was seven of 21. But again, even on the glass, the Miners out-rebounded UAB 53 to 39. I mean... Uh, they did. They did everything right to try to win, except they turned the ball over 25 times. That's the big key right there. That's the problem that's hurt the Miners all year, the turnovers on offense. Having 25, when you get to double digits in uh, turnovers as early as they did in that game, you, you kind of knew that this one would be close all the way down to the end. It's true, and they only shot 56% from the line in that one also, 14 of 25. They did things that haunted you because, once again, early on, that was a game they... They did everything. They played well enough to win, and they still lost. 
And that was what, and that's been so frustrating because there's been plenty of games like the UAB game on the road this whole season for the Miners. Yeah, I think Joe Golding, you know, earlier this week, he was challenging reporters like, you know, give me a game where we didn't play well or we didn't have a chance to actually win. And it's hard to find those games, especially in Conference USA play, because outside of New Mexico State on the road and DePaul on the road, UTEP has played pretty much everybody closely within range. I, I know that they got beat by, I think it was 12 points against Middle. Tennessee on the road I get it but still I feel like this Miners team plays everybody close it's now about getting over the hump and actually winning those games 69 of UTEP's 73 points against UAB were scored by four guys four guys scored almost all their points remember Onyema didn't score in that game against UAB started played 23 minutes only took three shots didn't score Frazier had 14, Solomon had 16, Givens had 17, Hardy had 22. So four guys scored 69 of UTEP's 73 points in that first meeting. Now, I don't expect another crazy wild game. I mean, if you think about it, regulation was 57 apiece. That's about right. That's kind of, I think this game will probably be somewhere in the low 60s tonight. If UTEP can get the game in the 50s or 60s, I do think they'll have a chance to win. They've got to keep it under 70 points. That's the key right there. That's the big number. If they're able to keep it to under 70, I believe the Miners have a chance to win. If not, uh, you know, you can kiss their chances goodbye. In that game, I also thought we saw the emergence of Shamar Givens, who, like you said, mm-hmm. 17 points. He also totaled 10 assists along with 7 rebounds, 7 steals, and but did have 8 turnovers. I knew you were yeah. going to go. I was like waiting for you to throw the 8 turnovers out there. Because you're right. He did everything right. Uh, but the turnovers, that was yeah. the biggest That was the biggest key. Yeah, and that's something that you know they're going to have to limit, whether it's their senior grad transfer in Shamar Givens or it's Otis Frazier who's going to have to shoulder more of the load as far as a four-man today, playing a little bit more of those minutes since Jonathan Dos Anjos is out. Uh, they, they're going to need that production, and they are going to need guys to play mistake-free basketball tonight. They are. Um, but again, not a lot of games left right now. I think they only have four home games left after today, three, right? That's it. That's right. Yeah, three, and the last two will be the senior uh, weekend. That's uh, Thursday, March 2nd, Saturday, March 4th. So not a lot of games left in the, in the rest of the season. Tweet coming in from Cesar Cubillos at Ice Cubillos. We had the same message about the heat on Saturday for the women's game. It honestly wasn't cold except on the concourse. With at least three times as many fans in the Don, it won't be cold at all. Go Miners. See you at the game. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, pretty interesting right there, Kubios. I would just say, you know, for us people who like the cold weather, we're, we're okay. Like, yep. I, I'm cool wearing a jacket to the Haskins Center. I'll, I'll be fine. But those people who hate the cold, they'll be the ones suffering a little tonight. Well, first off, everybody's going to be wearing a jacket because it's going to be cold when you get out of the arena tonight. It's cold outside. It's cold now. So, yeah, everybody's going to be wearing a jacket, so they're all doing it. So the only key is is that if you feel like you have to wear the jacket during the game, so be it. If not, you know, it's, I think it's going to be very comfortable in the arena tonight. I was out there for practice recently. It wasn't that bad. And if the, I'm assuming the heating and uh, the heating didn't work at practice at the dawn when I went uh, just a few days ago, um, you know, it was totally fine. It wasn't that bad. The only downside is that if it's really cold in the concourse, by the time you get your nachos, they'll be cold before you even walk down the steps. Uh... That's the only downside. You could have ice cold nachos like ice cubios uh, before you even get down to the uh, you know to the floor at the Haskins Center. 
That's very true. Uh, yeah, no one wants the ice nachos. Nothing, nothing like that. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. By the way, um, I've eaten the nachos this year at the Haskins Center, and in my mind, um, you know, the Rico cheese. It, you know, it. it, it we should do a three-hour show uh, on just Rico cheese by itself. But um, the jalapenos make all the difference in the world, don't they? They really do. UTEP has good jalapenos for those nachos. You got to get the jalapenos even when you're getting the popcorn. That's how good they are, Steve. You ever had? Do you ever had the? Um, so talking UTEP food. Have you had the stuff they sell in the concourse, which is those giant cucumbers in with um, the the chili and the lime? You know in what? The cup. Okay, I have seen these. I've seen these, but I have not tried. Are they good? Because they look great. I, that's right up my alley. They are good. They are? Yeah, so um, nice. I, was at a, I was at a women's game a couple weeks ago, and believe it or not, or was it a men's game? Let me think for a second. No, it was a men's game. Um, Bernie Olivas was there, and he had the uh, he had the cucumbers and, and said, hey, try one. I said, really? So he offered me one of those. They're delicious. Absolutely delicious. Nice. Okay, good to know. I got to keep that in mind next time I'm uh, craving something at the Haskins Center. Yeah, it's really good. 13 passed as we continue here on Sports Talk. All right. Um, meanwhile, we got a lot more in store for you on the program. Um, oh, this is cool. Nice. Uh, this NFL dropped a, a, a video on Twitter today about 20 minutes ago showing Aaron Jones um, getting a message from his mother and brother after being a Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. And as Aaron's watching this, he starts crying and getting emotional, really emotional. So this is interesting. I'm going to let you listen into the audio of this, and you can hear uh, what Aaron was listening to as, uh, yeah, the tears just started flowing as his mom started talking. Son, you do a lot in community. You do a lot for a lot of people. Please know it doesn't go unnoticed. I know that um, Dad told you to take care of, take care of me. And you're doing an amazing job. It's amazing to see you grow and become the young man that you are, the father that you are, the son that you are, the player that you are. Son, please don't stop doing what you do on that field. Continue to give 110%. Continue to be the best there is in whatever you do. I love you. I cherish you. I'm proud of you. I could not ask for a better set of twins than you and Alvin. Um, You have made me grow as an individual. You've made me open my eyes to a lot of things. I am ever grateful for you. Know that I love you, I cherish you, and you are my everything. I love you, booby. Aaron, what's up? It's Alvin here. You know, I'm so proud of you, everything you've accomplished, the man you've become, the father you've become, and just the person you've become. It's it's amazing. You're nominated twice in a row for the Walter Payne Man of the Year Award. Um, that's one of the biggest awards in the NFL because not only does it judge character based off on the field stuff, but the stuff that matters the most, and it's the off the field stuff. And you continue to rise to the occasion every time and continue to keep growing and continue to just be yourself. It'll never let you down. I'm so proud of you. Dad's proud of you. Um, it's only going to get better from here on out. And uh, like we always talk about, it's just the start. I love you. I'm proud of you. a and all the way. Yeah. <laughs> that was special. 
Uh, no, I definitely did not know they were doing that. That's special, you know. Um, all, all I ever want to do as a child is make my my mom, my dad, my older brother. I know we're twins, but you know uh, he's still my older brother. All you want to do is make them proud. Uh, you want to impress your older brother. You want to get his, you know, his uh, his nod. Yeah, you know. But uh, so just for them to hear that they're proud of me and uh, all of that is, is special to me. And that's why I got a little, little emotional and thinking about my dad as well. And, uh, special is something that I will, I'll, like I can always look at this video and always have even years down the line or my mom's not here or it's something like that. I'll, I'll always have that video and know that she's proud of me. Good stuff. Good stuff from the NFL. Putting that up today for uh, the Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee with uh, Aaron Jones about 20 minutes ago. Enjoyed that uh, and enjoyed watching that. All right, we'll come back with plenty more. As I mentioned before, Lane Frank is on his way. Sports Talk continues. Minor basketball, hour and 10 minutes from now with John and Steve and the countdown to tip-off at the bottom of the 6 o'clock hour. But first, here's Charlie One with traffic. Zero nine on Sports Talk. Lane Frank will be dropping in here in a little bit. Excited about that. Schoolyard Sports, very own Lane Frank. Lane's worked his way into like a weekly spot on this show, and he's guest hosted for crying out loud. What a uh, what a run for someone who uh, just turned fifteen, and uh, we love having him on the show every time he he drops in. You know what, Steve? Whenever we open calls up for him, like during his segment, people want to call in and talk. I mean, he's he's uh, introduced us uh, to different subjects on yes. the show that we haven't talked about a lot, like tennis. And, That's right. Uh, has uh, garnered a lot of intrigue off it, and the feedback we get from Lane Frank is always at an all time high. So uh, I'm not surprised. He's he's an overachiever. He is, and he loves what he does, and. You know, he's going to stop in for a few and get his wrap-up on uh, Super Bowl 57. Do we know for sure? Who did Lane pick in the game? Did he pick the Eagles or did he I pick know, the I Chiefs? Picked KC. I, he did. He may have picked KC to win the Super Bowl when the playoffs uh, originally started. So we got we to gotta make sure uh, whether or not that's the case, but I think that was the Super Bowl pick. And he held true on that, huh? Yes. All right. That's good. Every time I was telling people that I picked Kansas City, they said, well, did you go on the air with it? I said, yeah, I went on the air with it on Friday. I said 30-27. That's exactly what I said. 30-27 Chiefs. So it was off by a few points, but at least I had the, I got the field goal part right. So. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. 38-35 is not the kind of score that most people would go with for a, uh, for, for a total for a game. You, don't, you know, usually you might see 34-31. Um, you know, 37-34, 30-27. 38-35 is not exactly a common score for a football game. That's a very high score, especially it for is. the Super Bowl. So if we're talking about a college football Pac-12 game, maybe. But, uh, yeah, I don't think NFL games you could really predict uh, 38-35. I don't think that was scoregami, but I do think that that might have been the first 38-35 in the history of the Super Bowl. I, I think that's probably scoregami for a Super Bowl, maybe. Yeah, that, I would that think kind that, of thing. That, that I could see it. That could be the case. So, uh, yeah, Lane will drop in here in a little bit. In fact, as soon as he gets uh, here, he usually texts me and lets me know. So I will pass along to you guys that Lane's in the house as uh, Sal Montes has also dropped in today. Sal and Adrian will be back for minor talk. Boy, it's a reunion for you guys. I mean, Adrian, this is weird. You didn't do two shows in a row. It's like the last time that's ever happened to you. I don't yeah, know. that's right. It's the first time I think I missed back-to-back. Sal and uh, UTEP Zay did an excellent job, by the way. Good. 
Good, good, good. Happy to hear that. And, um, uh, you know, I, I wasn't surprised. In fact, I had a chance to catch some of that with Sal and Zay. And, yeah, they, they did just fine. Took calls. Had a chance to talk to our, our listeners on Twitter and on the phones. And that's exactly what I would expect. So, uh, Sal and Adrian back tonight for Minor Talk following the uh, postgame show after UTEP and UAB. So, Come on in, young man. Great to see you back. He's all smiles. After all, he had the show last Tuesday. Took over, and along with UTEP Zay, three hours of delivering sports talk with uh, us. And uh, here, just grab the mic, too. Take uh, that thing out. Of uh, There you go. Take that deal out. You have to press this. There you go. That's it. Pop the new one in. And uh, I should have done that for you already. But, you know, now that you're a radio vet, uh, Lane, I figured that you could just plug in your own microphone when you show up and, and not have to worry. Um, meanwhile, you, you, you took a test, I heard, today after uh, school. So that's one of the reasons why we have you here at this time. Good to see you back. Uh, move that microphone up to your mouth and uh, tell me, how was uh, how was the test? Did you, uh, did, did you ace it when it was all said and done? What happened? You know, it wasn't a regular test. It was a test to go to internationals. I qualified for states for DECA, kind of a business competition. So I'm kind of doing that with Squared Sports. You present it at states in Dallas in the month, but you have to take a test before. So if I did well in this test, hopefully I can go to internationals. But yeah, uh, great uh, to be back. So let me get this right. DECA for you is your podcast. So your schoolyard scored sports podcast that you've been doing since you're 12 years old is now become like your DECA project. Pretty much. I mean, my brothers had their DECA project. They went to internationals every year, so hopefully I can do the same. Where is internationals for DECA? This year it's in Orlando, but it, cha- it changes every year. Okay. Have you, been to De- have you been to DECA internationals before, or would this be your first time? I guess, I mean, I've never been as a student, but I went once with my brothers. Okay. Pretty cool. So you're excited, looking forward to it. Definitely. How'd you do on the uh, on, on the exam today for internationals for DECA? Don't know yet. You know, it's 100 questions, really tough. But uh, yeah, excited to be back on the show today. Hey, good to have you back. What was it like for you last Tuesday? You and Zay, three hours getting a chance to, to handle the whole show. I haven't talked to you about this at all since we got back on Saturday. Give me give me uh, your post-show wrap as far as how this uh, how this program went. You know, there's definitely some nerves, definitely some fast-paced stuff going on in there. But uh, all around, really awesome show. We had some great guests. Zay was obviously amazing in it. Is he back here? No, he's not today. Today, where is Zay today? Zay will be actually at the UTEP game tonight. Okay. Ah, okay. Big good. game for UTEP. Big, big game for UTEP. We UAB, talked about right. UTEP for a while. Yeah, I think that was an awesome experience. I really appreciate you guys both giving us the opportunity. Yeah, definitely trying to navigate through things. You definitely learn some stuff. Obviously, the break times, it gets better throughout each hour. So I loved it. Did you pace yourself? Because you realized that. I realized again, I paced myself. The three hours, a long time. You had big guests. You got Aaron and Alvin Jones. That, we, was a, yeah. that was a big spot. We heard also the guest, the uh, Garrett Stubbs interview as we were driving into. We we caught that interview as we were heading in to the Phoenix Convention Center to pick up our Super Bowl credentials. That was what was on the radio in our rental car, was listening to you and uh, Garrett Stubbs. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we had a great time doing that interview. And then we had a bunch of callers, which was really fun. A lot of people calling in. That was great. That took up a lot of time. Third hour, obviously, you got to come up with some stuff because no guests. But we did through it. We picked some NBA games tonight, talked a lot of UTEP. Really fun. Was it was it what you expected? Because you know the podcast lasts usually between a half an hour and forty five minutes to an hour, depending on the topic and what you've got. So tell me, three hours show. Uh, give me you know your thoughts on everything. I will say this: the two hours went by pretty quick in my opinion, but then you get to that third hour, it feels the same amount. The third hour in full feels the same as those two hours did because it just we didn't have many topics. Getting later, not many people calling in. Yeah, we I think we got like two or three callers that hour, but uh, all right, yeah, it was it was really fun. Solid, solid. All right, you ready to do it again? Aren't you? 
I am, but you got yeah. Whenever you guys are out of town, anything we'll do it. There you go. Well, maybe one of us will be on vacation, and as long as you're here, you can fill in for sure. You leaving town in March? Or are you going to be? Uh, are you going to be staying break. here? Spring break, so yeah. You gone for both weeks, or are you here for uh, one of the two weeks? Uh, I'm pretty sure. Maybe I think I'm here for a little bit of the second week. So. Are you? Yeah. All right, good. All you right. might uh, you might be working with Adrian all when right. it's all said and done. Right. We'll Definitely. see. We'll have That'll to we'll, we'll have to talk that with the family and, and see how it's going on. Did you pick Kansas City at the start of the playoffs to win the Super Bowl? I didn't make a start of the playoffs prediction, but I do really kind of analyze it. I said, Chiefs definitely have a chance. My preseason prediction was the Ravens, and I really thought the Ravens were going to have a great season. Obviously, they got off to a hot start, leading in almost every single game by double digits, but then Lamar gets hurt. A lot of things happen there, but uh, KC was my Super Bowl prediction going into the game. I'm glad I stuck out with it. Great win. How close did you expect the game to be when, when it was all said and done? What did you predict? It was about what I expected. A little bit of an Eagles hot start. Chiefs get back into it. Exactly what happened. And they won high scoring. Did you pick uh, Chiefs by a field goal? I didn't. I didn't do exactly Chiefs by a field goal, but I did say Chiefs in a close game. Okay, so so you're telling me. I want to make sure I get this right. Close Adrian. game is one possession or less. Let's go. So you do not pick scores. You do not pick totals. I've picked scores before. I've been really close on a few times. But you, but this one, you said Chiefs in a close game. You did not say Chiefs. By a field goal, unless you said just close game. Okay, so but you didn't give me like in the twenties or thirties. What did you think it was going to end up when it was all said and done? I thought it was going to be the Chiefs, but uh, this but in the thirties okay. or the twenties, what did you think? I think I had thirty-one and twenty as like a secret prediction, not really an on-air prediction. I had thirty-one and twenty Chiefs. Thirty-one twenty. Thirty-one twenty. Okay, so so kind of late Chiefs touchdown, but Chiefs won. It was all good. Yeah, fun game. Definitely. Jalen Hurts guts, but I also think he's the reason they lost. Did the call bother you? The uh, flag with uh, two minutes left to go in the game. No, the bar- thing that bothered me more was Jarek McKinnon going down. I know that's what you have to do, and I know it's a great thing by him. It just ruins a good game. Well, but it was a smart play. Exactly, and I love like, that move uh, by him, but as a viewer, you hate yeah, it. But you, as well, an athlete, you love well, it. Because you wanted—now, here's the thing. It takes you, guts to do that. It does, and you were probably hoping that before he went down, there would be a Philadelphia defender that would have lifted him or pushed him into the end zone just to make sure that he would get in and not and, and give Philadelphia the ball back. Because at a point in that play, Philadelphia kind of gave up, and I think Jarek McKinnon realized that. He's like, oh, I'm just going to go down. I don't think if they gave up on that play, Jarek McKinnon might score a touchdown. Yeah, that's a good point, too. I agree with you. I think uh, it was Jalen Hurts' fault they lost. Uh, well, let's find out why you think Jalen Hurts uh, cost him the game. So we'll do that in a moment. Lane Frank with us right now here in studio. But let's go right back to Adrian and get this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Adrian, thank you very much. We're back with Lane Frank, 33 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Now, Lane gave us a hot take before we uh, went to Sports Center. He said he believed that Jalen Hurts cost the Eagles Super Bowl 57. Now, I thought Jalen played a terrific game. He bounced back from that fumble. He he kept them in the game offensively, and I thought that the defense was why they lost the game. The defense couldn't stop Kansas City in the second half. They gave up uh, t- scores on every possession. Key word in your statement right there. Fumble. Yep. That fumble cost them the game. You have to say it. Jalen Hurts rebound from that fumble, got he them did. a touchdown, got them two more touchdowns, I think. Even that two-point conversion. I will admit, that two-point conversion, that touchdown run, that was guts by Jalen Hurts. That was an amazing play. If you don't get that, the game's over before that field goal by Harrison Butker. But this is the interesting part. Too many incompletions in the second half. You have a big lead. You can't blow a big lead. Everybody loves to talk about the good of Jalen Hurts. Let's talk about the bad. I'm not afraid to do it. I'm not afraid to talk about the bad Jalen Hurts because of what happened. The fumble, you can't just drop the ball. You don't see Mahomes making boathead mistakes. Okay, Mahomes doesn't get a few drives going, but then the second half, those drives start going. He doesn't make turnovers. Jalen Hurts made turnovers, cost them the game. That's my pick. Can't blow that big of a lead. Patrick Mahomes I don't disagree with that. I, I don't disagree Jaylen with what you're saying. I think you're right about the belt blowing the lead, but 
but, but, okay, Hurts, he did rebound. You have to, you can't give the Philadelphia defense a pass on this game. They did can't give Jalen a pass either. But they did nothing. I mean, Jalen at least kept the Eagles in this game offensively with the with, throughout the game. The, the defense did nothing. They didn't put any pressure on Mahomes. They didn't sack him. They didn't, they didn't even do anything. And then they couldn't stop him in the second half when Mahomes threw, went all over them. So, I mean, I, I hear your take on Hurts and the fumble. But to me, that defense is what cost him the game because Philadelphia didn't show up defensively in the second half. I disagree with you. I think you have to play better in the second half for the Super Bowl. I don't care how it goes. I don't care if you think the field's an issue. You can have the greatest first half you want. You have to play better in the second half. They obviously didn't. That's my take. They had a 10-point lead. Yep. They blew it. And they only scored 11 points in the second half. And eight of those came admit, on the touchdown yeah. and the two-point conversion. Well, that was a great touchdown. That was a great two-point conversion. Sure. That takes guts. And Jalen Hurts is still going to win a Super Bowl in his career, in my opinion. But this game, I mean, for me, it didn't show clear maturity. Obviously, with Mahomes, we saw a lot of turnovers in his college career mm-hmm. and his early NFL career. We're starting to see that from Jalen Hurts. Obviously, the turnover. What we got going on over here? Uh, uh, we, got, we, we, we have a video crew going right now. He's, he's making sure yeah. that the, uh, the angle is perfect. The, the microphone was blocking your videographer's uh, shot of you during this, uh, during this piece. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. Headphones okay. got messed up a little bit, but uh, right. yeah, that was a great take by Jalen. Uh, I mean, that's my take. All right, uh, Adrian, give me your thoughts on the, uh, Hertz, uh, on the Hertz hot take from, uh, from Lane today. You know what? Uh, here's my question to you, Lane. I, I hear where you're coming from. I would just say this. Uh, Jalen Hurts, from where he's been, um, Alabama, you know, you know, he was benched in the in that national championship game. It ends up being to a Tungo Vailoa. He goes over to Oklahoma in the shadows of Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Does not win the Heisman for Oklahoma. Um, you, you know, you now he goes over to Philly. He's a second round draft choice, and then gets his team to the Super Bowl after not really supposed supposed to be there. I think it's just a, an amazing accomplishment story in itself, and it makes you kind of think. Well, what other teams want to try to model that Jalen Hurts? Uh, Kind of replica. Who who else can be? Can Justin Fields be Jalen Hurts down the line? Well, yeah, that's definitely a great thing. Jalen Hurts obviously has such an amazing success story. Obviously, you said from Alabama, Oklahoma, not being a good recruit out of high school, and then what he's done in the NFL so far. But still, can't make those bonehead mistakes. This year, Mahomes made those early mistakes in his career. That's why they didn't beat the Patriots his first season the conference championship game. Jalen Hurts see the same thing. Everybody loves to talk about the good. Here's the bad, the bonehead turnovers. All right. Um, still, you said it. You think the Eagles will have a chance to win a Super Bowl with uh, Jalen Hurts. Will they even be the favorite in the NFC next year? Uh, I mean, obviously, Brock Purdy, 49ers, that's an issue going on right now. Cowboys can always be a threat. We saw that this year. Mm-hmm. Giants, maybe. They're booming up there. Packers never know who their quarterback might be next year. Lions, good roster, but... uh. Eagles definitely have a chance, but depreciating roster on defense, in my opinion, and offense. The center cores of this team, outside of Jalen Hurts, you could say Jason Kelsey, probably going to retire. Brandon Graham retiring probably the next three seasons, maybe this season. Darius Slay getting up there in age. James Bradbury not, might not be back, so uh, that's yeah. my take right there. Uh, by the way, as far as the holding call, give me your take on that. Um, first off, that was, holding. The, that was the first defensive holding penalty called in the entire game. And there were plenty of other instances where there were holding, and, and the, the referees did not, they, they let it go. Well, a simple example of holding, shown right there, but you have to play it both ways. If you're not calling it earlier, you can't call it now, unless it's blatant. That was not blatant. Still holding, but they didn't get away with it this time. I'm with you on that one. It's kind of, that, that's the bigger impact. The, the and was it catchable? I don't think it was catchable. Probably not. So, in your mind, that even if it was holding, should not have thrown the flag. 
Should not throw yeah. the flag, in my opinion. Okay. Um, the turf was a disaster. It was a disaster in the Michigan game, disaster. too. Disaster. That's true. Yeah, At exactly. that stadium. So, and that's another thing, okay? They different, spent two years on this. But that was different turf, correct? The Michigan game was different turf yeah, than I what think, they used for the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing I thought about right there. Was different turf, but still, I mean, Dome may have impacted it. Why can't these facilities that play an entire season? Because they did too much with it. Is that why they had to? They had to grow. Uh, they, they had to put new stuff in because they spent two years. They spent eight hundred thousand dollars on a, it. What a waste of money! I think the main thing though was the paint. Paint in every single game. Neutral site games. Field gets messed up. Odell Beckham Jr. tears his ACL on midfield last year, and then Michigan game. Obviously, a lot of paint in the field from the designs. I mean, you obviously have the logos everywhere. You have the logo for the Fiesta Bowl. You have the logo for the Super Bowl. You have the midfield logo. So that's my thought right there. And the paint changes it up. So they need to get paint that doesn't have that kind of impact. I think but just how the you, over-decorating of it changed it. How do you it. do that? I, I mean, just think the over-decorating changed it, made them slip more. You do? Yeah. All right, because I, I was not – I'll be honest with you. When I was watching, like, the field goals that when he was slipping, it didn't seem like he was slipping on the paint. It seemed like he was just slipping on the grass in general. I mean, just, it, it was, was grass, it was, it not was just turf. A, it was a mess. Yeah, I mean, it was grass, not turf. And, you know, what happened with the Titan Seal? They're switching back to turf after what happened with their terrible grass experiment. So, yeah, let's see how it goes. I mean, grass, not really fans doing great in the NFL right now. Yeah. Even though they're trying to get back to grass, but let's see how that happens. Uh, where do you have Patrick Mahomes in terms of uh, all time after uh, what he did this Super Bowl winning for the second time in five years? It's too early to say all time because you got to respect Drew Brees, who played that many years. You have to respect Troy Aikman, Dan Marino, Joe Montana, Tom Brady. But right now, the NFL is an era where they don't have a clear-cut best player of all time in the era right now playing. It was Brady for years, and now you don't have the best player in football. Mahomes will take that reins for the next 15 years. He will become the GOAT of the current day football, in my opinion. He can maybe be the best of all time. So you think, but when it's all said and done and the career is over, he could possibly surpass Brady? He could. But injuries? Brady had a few injuries early in his career, but not this many, in my opinion. Mahomes, high ankle sprains, turf toe in the Super Bowl a few years ago. Brady had really one injury his whole career, and that was the torn ACL. But can you imagine your first five years in the league and you go to the championship game I mean, it's five amazing. times? He's going to be amazing. Five, five, five 12-win seasons? It's, it's unbelievable. I just don't know if he wins five or six Super Bowls because I've talked about this before. When Brady got into the league and he was tearing things up, Belichick was still a young head coach. Mahomes enters the league. Andy Reid's getting up there in age. Probably only has five years left in him. Probably has one more year left in him after the season. So... Maybe he won't have Andy Reid for the next series of his career. Maybe he'll want to leave Kansas City, even though that Andy Reid. Listen, Andy Reid is going to retire eventually. Who's the successor to him? That's going to be the million dollar. Question. Will, I don't think it's Biennemi. They have beef. Mahomes and Biennemi. Yeah, well, probably not anymore, especially if Biennemi goes to, gets the job in Washington with the Commanders exactly. as their, as their uh, you know offensive coordinator. All right, listen. I agree. We'll come back more with Lane. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. Six hundred ESPN El Paso. Right now with Lane Frank, the host of Schoolyard Sports. What are we up to now? Uh, podcast 110, 111, what are we on? We're up to 111. I'm the host of the most. 111. It's the host us. of I the like most. That. I like saying that now. Host of the most. Student has become the teacher. Those are kind of my phrases with the show now. Look at you. The student has become the teacher. I've had that since the first episode. Have you really? You were 12 years old and you came up with that one? I think it's still in my Twitter bio. The host is the, or the student has become the teacher. It's in my trailer. I know that. Is it really? Yeah, it's in my trailer. Oh, that's good stuff. I like that. Here, the student has become the teacher. Oh, there you go. Where is your trailer? Is that uh, still up the very top of your Schoolyard Sports podcast? I think it's on YouTube. You can find it probably. I think it's pinned on the YouTube. 
Very hang on. That's uh, go, that's uh, young when I was twelve, but uh, do that. That's when you were twelve years old. That was the first thing you did. Was you did your trailer for uh, yeah schoolyard sports? <laughs> Obviously, greatly produced by DB Podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Hang on, let me see here. Let me go to schoolyard sports and uh, let me make sure I get that right here. Let me do. That's they called in. Sports. Did they really? Yeah, the main producer Jordan. He called nice. in. All right, here it is. Um, let me go to your trailer. Let's see. It's like a minute long. Do you talk at all in this thing or no? A little bit. All right, hang on. Let me play. Let's see if people can listen to this. Oh, thing. no. Yeah, oh, yeah. You're 12 years old. Bad voice. Here it comes. Oh, talk about a crusher. Yes! Oh! Are you kidding me? Wait, 15 seconds. I haven't heard a word of you yet. So In a second. Yo, yo, all wait. I see is highlights and you smiling and photos. I haven't, I haven't heard a word yeah, out yeah, of you yet. Yeah, wait 30 seconds and then it'll be right, like hang on, hang five on, more seconds. Alright, here he goes. Welcome to Schoolyard Sports with Lane Frank. I'm the host of this podcast, Lane Frank, and I Steve, love sports. Steve, turn it off, turn it off. We'll be coming to you every Thursday no, from wherever you listen or watch your podcast. I'll be discussing all things in sports, which is NBA, NFL, MLB, college football, and For listeners, and college not how I talk anymore. For the listeners, talk we put about a filter on like, uh, like Lane every week. Listeners, I am older now. Hang on, hang on. We're not done with this. Don't talk over yourself. This is this is rude. Hang on. Let's, let's listen to 12-year-old Lane finish this up. Hang on. Here we go. Or teams to worry about, the stats that are worth a chat, anything in the wide world of sports that catches my attention. Yes, on this podcast journey, I'm a 12-year-old kid who's used to being in class. Ladies and gentlemen, the student has become the teacher. This is school yes! sports. Subscribe again and again. No, I had no energy. That was great. I had no energy. You were terrific. You're 12 for crying out oh, loud. Oh, look at the screen. F-E-O-D-J, the nine points. The student has become the teacher when you were 12. You threw that out there on your own trailer. Adrian, that stuff is that is amazing. I, we do not use a filter for Lane Frank, everybody. Oh, no. That's all I have to say. Oh, no. I'm three years older now, everybody. Three years older. Yeah, it's good stuff. You're so much wiser now. But listen, yeah. you've been doing it since the 111 episodes in. That's terrific. Two, two seasons plus. Same passion for it, different knowledge of it. There you go. I like that. That's good. Although, I will say this. I'm, I'm so happy we've got you on I now. I was slower there. But um, had we brought you on there as a 12-year-old, oh, my God, we would have had a field day with you. We still, we still do. <laughs> that would have been funny. It would have been. It I, I wouldn't been. have understood anything. I was yeah. only in seventh grade, starting seventh grade. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's, listen, you're, you're doing fine. All yeah. right. Uh, New Mexico State. Let's finish up. They yeah. suspended basketball for the rest of the season now. And, uh, you know, their head coach, Greg Heyer, is out. Uh, give me your thoughts. I know you talked about this on Episode 111 of Schoolyard Sports. Get, uh, your take on uh, what's going on in Cruces. The main thing I'm worried about right now is, What's going to happen with Chris Jantz? Could he face any issues with this at Mississippi State? Don't think so because I think this is all, everything has happened after he left. All the players involved, nobody here with Jantz. Do you think this is related with Mario McKinney? Nope, absolutely not. Been told already that this has nothing to do with Mario. Okay, I fully thought it was, but that's good to know right there. Yeah, this situation is bad for college basketball. They might get the death penalty. This nah, is, you think they're going to get the I saw that. They might get throw, the what, death penalty. You listen penalty. to Deaver. You throw it out. He just, you throw it out the two Deaver's on ESPN. He said that. He was. Deaver is on ESPN. He also told us he regretted saying the words death penalty on Twitter. So, But, know. I mean, that's what it's called in college basketball. SMU had the death penalty in football a few mm-hmm. years ago. But, uh... Yeah, this is interesting about the New Mexico State situation. They're going to get a lot of issues. This program's going to go straight downhill. Their reputation for getting good players, but good players that get kicked out of our schools, is going to go down. They're probably not going to make the tournament for a while because they're going to have to get a whole new head coach. Nobody wants to walk into this situation. And it's tough because this is a university that was looking up. They had a great football season with Jerry Kill. They'd go athletic director. So it's interesting now. But 
all you got to do is just buy a couple of players and you're right back at it. That's the key. I mean, that's it, right? All you got to do is just you're two or three good players from being right back at there. I agree, but you're going to get another Teddy Allen because now this program is in shambles. Or you're going to get another type of Teddy Allen, uh, Serge Barry Rice. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I don't think so. Well, I mean, depends I, I mean at least maybe what, it depends on, depends on who they hire as the next head coach, right? Nobody's going to want this job. Somebody's who wants to come to Las Cruces? Somebody's got to take it. Well, Chris Jans came here after Bowling Green, but now it's just regular old Las Cruces, a program that isn't that good anymore. You don't get many good players. Let's see how it goes. Ooh, hot yeah. takes from Lane today to wrap it up. A little fire, Adrian, as we end the hour. I like it. I agree with Lane. I, I said right. it earlier. You so did like say it. it. You did say it earlier. Now I'm, I got I'm, family members that are delayed saying that, you know, it's funny, the trailer. I'm uh, happy they enjoyed that. All yeah. right, good. We're going to come back. Uh, we've got UTEP basketball in 30 minutes. You want to stick around for one more segment? Let's do it. All right, good. Lane Frank with us as Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso.